The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the things that you clearly get from the book of Jonah is that God answers prayer. Jonah cries out and God hears and God acts, and we we praise God for that. And with that, as we're in Jonah chapter 3 today, I want to talk about a prayer request I've got. This is Alex McFarland along with Bert Harper, and you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, Exploring the Word. We're going to continue in Jonah, plus in just a few minutes we'll open up the phones and take your calls and your Bible questions. If you If you want to call in, the number is... 888-589-8840. And uh, we welcome you to bring your Bible questions to the phone uh, here in a few minutes. But Bert, uh, you know, Jonah cries out from the belly of the fish, and he's in a desperate place, and and Jonah prays and God responds. And in that spirit, uh, may I share a prayer request for a friend? You sure can. That's part of what we do here. We do take prayer requests and Ever so often, you and I have some personal, and then we have friends who have those needs. So go right ahead, Alex. Well, I just got a call, I mean, literally as we were going on air, and uh, the wife of a pastor friend, uh, I've got a, a dear pastor friend, been in the ministry many years, and his wife works for a very, very major, beloved American ministry, and I'm not going to give the name right now because um, I want to respect the family's privacy, but... Um, this dear lady, she is seriously one of the finest Christian ladies we've ever known, and she's in the hospital with um, a heart valve issue, and the thing is, the lack of blood supply is affecting the kidneys, and the kidneys are possibly failing, and I'm just asking for some very diligent prayer for, for this friend um, and her name, her first name is Michelle, but she's a wonderful champion of the gospel and a great pastor's wife and uh, just really in, in an increasingly critical situation right now, Bert. Well, let's pray for her. Alex, you lead us, and then I've got something to remember, and then we'll jump right into the book of Jonah. But let's pray for Michelle. Go ahead, Alex. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we do thank you that you are the God who answers prayer. And Lord, we, we just read about Jonah crying out and you responded. And right now we do cry out for so many needs, especially for Michelle. Lord, I pray for Michelle that you would help this heart valve issue, give the doctors wisdom, even as she is in the ER. I pray her kidneys would not fail. Lord, just undertake for her and her husband too. They are both uh, exemplary servants of the gospel and of Jesus. We love them, but Lord, mo- most importantly, we know that you love them. So we ask for good, good uh, success for Michelle right now as she is in the hospital with heart and kidney issues. Uh, Father, if it pleases you, extend her life, and we know she'll continue serving you faithfully as she has done for so many decades. In Christ's name we, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a pen and paper and you do like me, write Michelle down and then pray for her, especially in the next hours as they're looking at this. So we want to do that. But it's also a special day. It's recognized as Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, Again, it started in Israel, uh, you know, 1951. And each year during this month, it's either May or April, according to how it falls. 
And uh, so, you know, it's such a six million Jews, uh, mm. you know, the, the Nazis would exterminate. And that's, that's what they did. And uh, for me, I had the privilege of, of visiting in Auschwitz and Krakow, Poland, and, and just seeing all of that. And uh, so we, we pray that there's more Jews right now. Alex, you have said this, and then I've looked it up as well. Uh, right now, there's more Jewish believers than there's ever been before. And Since the uh, first yeah, and so we're excited, and we're, we're so into Holocaust Remembrance Day. Be praying for those uh, Jews, that Hebrews, that Israelites, Israelis. They got all the different names. We pray that they would come into the recognition as Jesus as Messiah, and uh, be like my friend, my Jewish friend says, be a completed Jew. Uh, yeah. Jesus Christ is and completes that job in Christ. So we want to do that as well, Alex. And speaking of that, we have a a Jewish prophet by the name of Jonah going hmm. to a Gentile city. And, and and every time it talks about Nineveh, it usually uses the word that great city. I think it's three or four times it says that great city. It was great in sin. It was great in size. Uh, it was so many things. But in chapter 3, uh, we, we finished off yesterday, and uh, Jonah had preached, and he had gone through the city. I believe he had the marks of death on him, like the gastric uh, juices. And I read some more about it, and it said, could it have been that there was witnesses there on the beach when that uh, fish uh, vomited up, uh, you know, Jonah? And I if know, they did, it? did they run ahead of Nineveh and say, you won't believe what I've heard no wonder they were ready to hear. And when they heard and saw Jonah, here's what they did in verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. Then word came to the king of Nineveh. He arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, but do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that he, we may not perish. What a response to a sermon. I believe if I'd heard that, I'd been praising the Lord. Uh, we, I'm jumping ahead, but Jonah didn't quite have that response. But let's go back and see. The people of Nineveh believed God. I have that underlined and highlighted. What a statement, Alex. Well, that's what any evangelist would want, isn't it? That, that And notice, it wasn't they necessarily believed Jonah, although they did, but they believed Jonah's message. And one of the hallmarks of revival, people, people ask about, you know, can America have another revival? Well, if you look at the Great Awakenings of the, you know, 18th and 19th centuries, and even some in the 20th centuries, when a pervasive move of God comes into a culture— I mean, it really impacts things from individual lives, even to leaders and elected officials. And you read in, 
you know, seven, the king of Nineveh makes this decree to be published and proclaimed throughout the land. Neither herd, nor flock, nor beast, nor man, uh, nor anyone would eat anything. So he proclaims a fast. I mean, this is touching culture and behavior, isn't it? It is. And it is from, quote, the top all the way to the bottom in their culture. And it is just, it, it, I would use the word, it sounds complete. Uh, again, they repented, they turned away. That was the important word. And notice verse 9, it's so important. It says, who can tell if God will turn and relent? Now, what they did, they wanted God to turn, but they were as well as they, notice verse 8, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Alex, these are not just words. They're, they're, they're saying words, but these are leading to actions. And uh, that is so important. Words, now God looks at the heart. God knows whether your words are right or true. And so here, because of the response, we find they were truthful in what they did. Uh, I don't know how many of them got right with God, but by and large, it sounds like the majority got right or enough of the remnant got right, totally right with God at that point that that they were not destroyed. It was, Amen. I would say, uh, it's hard to call this a revival in a way because they didn't have anything to vive. I mean, they were not in yeah. a relationship with God in the first place. This is an, a, this is a, a just a complete turn to God from paganism unto God. What a magnificent story. Well, and we need it in our day. I mean, that is our only hope, isn't it, Bert? Uh, a moral and spiritual revival. And there was this, uh, verses 8 and 9 are so powerful. I mean, let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Now, it might sound uh, unusual. You know, you would put on, imagine, I think about an old burlap sack or a gunny sack, we used to say down in the country, you know, Bert. Um, have you ever been in a barn, and maybe you know what a, a burlap sack is like? Uh, we called them toe sacks down here. A toe sack. Yeah, and it, they were made of burlap, and yes, the feed that fed the animals came in that, and you would stack that up. That was special. You had hay, you had corn, but you also had that that was special, and, and it seemed like if you used that with the other, it would make it sweeter. But yes, I and, do know what that is. I didn't mean to go on yeah. and on about that, but it brought back memories, Alex. <laughs> well, well, it, it really did. And and folks, um, I know what that old rough, ugly, uh, abrasive cloth is. Well, when people would put on sackcloth, it was a symbol of of sadness over sin, humility before God. You know, God, I'm nothing. Lord, have mercy on me. And the word really is the word contrition. I mean, broken before God. So the fact that they would even put sackcloth on their animals shows two things, really. Uh, Lord, we're going to get honest in our business. We're going to let you and your ways, your truth, even impact how we conduct our lives. And we are utterly, utterly humbled before you. Now, verse 9, the, the king of Nineveh says, Who knows, God may yet relent. And with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. Now, Bert, I looked in the Hebrew to see if there was some, you know, juicy word to bring out or unpack. Uh, but verse 9, it means what it says, and it says what it means. Look, turn to God because this punishment 
this judgment that they really did deserve, but God might, because of his great compassion, turn the judgment so that we don't perish. The word perish really means be annihilated. I'm going to say this, Bert. Um, this is about Nineveh, not America. But if we don't have a revival, if we don't have a Holy Spirit move of God and lives get changed, I, I think we're every bit as ready for judgment as Nineveh was. Yeah. And the good news is, folks, you could pray and you can start a prayer meeting in your home or among your friends, or at your church. You could gather and pray for America. But in verse 10, God sees the condition of their heart, that these people mean it. They, they're not playing games. God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways. God relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Bert, don't we serve a compassionate God? We do, and that is that is His characteristics, Chief. He He is love, and He is holy. The two chief characteristics of God is His love and His holiness. Now, notice verse nine: Who can tell if God will turn? We don't hear this message from Jonah. It was only judgment is coming in forty days, and you'll be overthrown. But there must have been more to it. Because they pick up on it, or they've known about it before. Who can tell if God, Jonah's God, will turn and relent? He will, he will back off of the judgment and because our lives has changed and turn away from his fierce anger that we may not perish. That was their prayer. God answered it, as you said. And we're going to come back and right after the break and complete verse 10 and then go into chapter 4. And we, don't, we want you to stay with us. So get your Bible out if you can and join us as we continue in the book of Jonah. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for James McCammons, Deputy Undersecretary of the Office of Strategy, Policy and Plans. He supports policy development, implementation, and strategic planning in the Department of Homeland Security. Zechariah 9.8 reminds us of the importance of protecting one's home. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for James McCammons. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Where does a father learn fathering? Dr. Tony Evans offers his personal example as we spend two minutes with Tony. Well, my great illustration is my own dad. And uh, when he was converted and he would begin having spiritual times tied to us being around the, the dinner table, whether it was prayer or Bible verse that we memorized or something principle he was reviewing, I kind of learned from him how important it is to use the, the gathered family around the table for leading your family and for imparting uh, spiritual principles and spiritual truth into their lives. So I have to credit my father with uh, influencing me in that direction. 
because of the influence of my dad, because of the primacy that the Bible taught about family, because of the theology that I came to learn in developing uh, the kingdom agenda and its philosophy and the foundation of family as being the keystone of civilization, and because of the demise of the family in the contemporary culture being led by the defections of fathers, uh, all of that uh, came together and intersected for a heavy burden for the family and my desire to see the family strengthened and men to step up to the plate and become the kingdom men that they were created and designed to be, uh, along with women becoming the kingdom women they were created and designed to be. So all of that came together to create this great burden for the restoration of the family. I saw what happened when God uh, redeemed our family, so I wanted to see God do that in other families as well. For an in-depth look at what it means to be a godly husband and father, check out Dr. Evans' best-selling book, Kingdom Man. It'll teach you how to follow God's agenda for the home, work, at church, and in society. Get a copy for yourself. Details on Kingdom Man are waiting for you online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time as we spend two minutes with Tony. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Everybody here looking for a Bible in our own hearts and across the land. Everybody looking for a revival. Lift up your voice and say man. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We're in the book of Jonah. That's in the Old Testament, one of the prophets there. And uh, we're in chapter 3 as we're finishing it up. But as we do, I just want you to, if those of you that have the Bible, you can follow. Those of you that don't, listen carefully. Now, notice what happened. This is just chapter 3. After Jonah had gotten right with the Lord concerning in the sea, brought over and vomited up by the fish, and now God comes to him the second time. Notice these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And he preached. Verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believe God. You see that? Now the word of the Lord came yeah. to Jonah. He spoke. Now the people of Nineveh believed. Verse 10. Then God saw their works after they had uh, relent, they had repented, turned away. It says, turned from their evil way in verse 8. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. But notice those words, now, so, then, and then again. Alex, it, as this story is being weaved, it's a response. Here it is. Uh, God had seen Noah uh, and Jonah, and Jonah's thrown up. And God gives Jonah a second time. He responds. He does it now reluctantly with his heart not in, in it at all. But the message is strong. The people of Nineveh, so they believed, and then they turned from their sin. And in verse 10, then God saw the works and did not bring them to the disaster. That's, that's a chapter 3 is something. That is kind of what you were talking about, a recipe for revival, a recipe for an awakening that needs to come to any city like Nineveh or a country like America. Well, you know, uh, this this thing of we're going to do the right thing regardless. You know, who knows if God will relent. Uh, do you remember in Daniel chapter 3 where uh, the, the Hebrew uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
Uh, they said, you know, we're not going to answer you, but we're not going to bow down to your image uh, because God can deliver us. But if not, we still are not going to bow down to this image. You know, we're going to do the right thing regardless of the outcome, said uh, the three Hebrew men. And in Jonah 3, the king of Nineveh, look, we're going to repent. We're going to turn to God and maybe he'll relent with compassion so that we do not perish. But regardless of whether it's the bottom line, you know, works out, regardless of whether, you know, the numbers work out, we're going to do the right thing. See, that's the spirit that God can bless. You know, let me just say this, and, and people often say, well, you know, I'm going to begin tithing when I can afford it, or I'm going to do this when all the circumstances appear to be ready. The time to begin following the Lord and obeying God thoroughly throughout all of your life, the time to have a completely clear conscience to the Savior is now. Uh, Bert, uh, God is faithful. We could go on and on for hours on the faithfulness of God, how God comes through. But um, we, we don't obey God merely because we think we have a guarantee everything's going to go our way. We are to obey God because it's the right thing to do, uh, correct? We're in relationship with him and to him. And because of that, we've been bought with a price. Remember that scripture in the New Testament. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, do what? Glorify God in your body, with your life, with your total being. There's nothing exempt in your life as a follower of Christ that's off limits. You don't say, God, you can have all of me, but accept this. God, I want to obey you except in this area. No, it is in all areas. Are you obeying God? So here it is. You're listening today. Are you obeying God in all the areas of your life? Uh, let a man examine himself. Let him see if he is in the faith. See if he's truly a born again. If you are, you lay everything at the altar, everything, and you pray what Jesus prayed in the garden. Lord, not my will, but your will be done about everything in your life. But that wasn't the response of Jonah. Chapter 4, verse 1, after they, had, re after they yes. had repented, after they had turned around, and God did not do it, verse, chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Uh, he didn't like what he saw. Now, he preached it. But he didn't like the response to his preaching. He wanted them to have what? Look at verse 10. He wanted the disaster to come upon them. That was his desire. That was his plan. But he says, so he prayed to the Lord. Now, you was talking about praying, Alex, how he prayed. Here's one that's not too good. He prayed uh, in the belly of the fish when everything was going down and he was desperate, needed God, he prayed. Now that things are going right, listen to verse 2 of chapter 4. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Alex, mm. you remember we had a caller yesterday saying that their pastor had said he had rather, rather die than do the Lord's will. Here it is revealed why he didn't. He wanted these people 
to die. He wanted them to be completely destroyed. He didn't have a heart for them. He did not have God's heart for them. He wanted them, and he said, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it, God, that they would hear you in turn, and you would relent. I don't like it, God. Isn't that his words? Well, Jonah has to be one of the most unusual preachers ever because he gets a great response. Now, hey, listen, if, if most of us evangelists or missionaries preached and the whole city got converted even all the way to the king, uh, we'd be putting it in our newsletter, you know? <laughs> um, but Jonah, very interesting. Follow this here in, in chapter 4. Jonah, this seemed very wrong. He became angry. Now, there's the, it displeased Jonah, then he became angry. And the implication is um, like some, something simmering, smoking, and then it catches fire and burns. Imagine some sticks and maybe some dry leaves, and there's, there's a little bit of spark, and it, it smolders, and then it gets a full-blown fire, in this case a fire of anger. There was sin in his heart that had been simmering, and finally, it it came into a flame of, of, of anger. Now, it's been theorized that, you know, maybe Jonah hated the Assyrian Empire. He had seen the things they do on numerous occasions. He he didn't want the Assyrians to know God and to be saved. And and Nineveh, uh, the Ninevites were part of that. But like you say, um, and again, Bert, I don't want to extrapolate too far— there are some churches that would rather die than change. And, hey, you know, uh, if, if it was up to me, we'd have uh, gospel music every Sunday and, you know, the Gaithers and that kind of thing. But if something different reaches a different group, um, the style of worship is not about my preference. Um, the, all, all of the, you know, external things, as long as people are getting saved... That's what we need to care about. And Bert, I've met people, and it might not be as vivid as Jonah not caring about the souls of the Ninevites, but I've I've met people that would rather die than change. And I and I want to say when it comes to the salvation of people, we're we're talking about the future of our country, and so we ought to have a compassionate heart like God does. Uh, Jonah, um, in verse two. He says, you know, I went to Tarshish to try to forestall all this. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, any of us would think, yeah, praise the Lord. These are great things about God. Jonah's lamenting it. Isn't this something? It is. His theology (laughs) was right, but his heart was wrong. Now, yeah, we right. call this knowledge on ice. That's that's what I've referred to it. I, I, I've heard people use that term. This is knowledge. He knows about God. He knows how God operates. He even knows the character of God. He has even experienced the character of God of being delivered by that fish when he was dying. He knows that, but his heart concerning these people go unchanged. And notice, he knows that God is gracious. Listen to these words. He knows that God is merciful. He is slow to anger, abundant in mercy or loving kindness, and one who relents from doing harm. This is the last thing God wants to do. God does not want to do harm. That's the last thing he wants to bring on 
a group of people or an individual. And if you're listening today and you say, man, God has done this to me, most of the time, most of the time, we've brought it on ourselves. Uh, now, ever so yeah. often, it's what other people has done. Uh, testimony about like a father deserting the family and the family being left destitute and hard. It was because of the father making that choice that he should not have made. Yes, but still, you're going to be have to be responsible for how you respond. Alex, we're responsible for our response, aren't we? We are. You know, I'm amazed. In verse 3, uh, Jonah prays, Now, Lord, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. And, you know, verse 4, the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Now, if I had been the Lord in verse 4, I would have said, Am I going to have to go get another fish? You know? <laughs> I mean, but, um, Jonah, we've been here before, and you were reluctant to follow me and obey me. And you know what happened before. You want to do this again? But God is compassionate, and I think in the reply of God, we see God's compassion for Jonah. Um, is it right for you to be angry? Now, I'm going to say this because Jonah is such a short book. As we conclude, uh, you know, verse 11, one of the most compassionate verses in the Bible, really, and I think the compassion of Jonah chapter 4, God's compassion is still operating today because the whole wide world, and especially America, would get fierce judgment right now, and we deserve it, except for the compassion of God. Amen. But the answer to, to verse 4, which God asks a couple of times, uh, is it right for you to be angry? And the answer is, of course, no, it isn't right. You know, well, Alex, you know what? When I see this question, I think of Jesus. Notice what Jesus would do many, many times. We know his parables, and they were effective. We know his sermons, they were effective. But one of the most effective tools that Jesus used in communicating to others was questions, you know? And, yeah. and it's examination questions. It, it looks at it, and he would especially do it with the Pharisees, and they would come to him with questions that they were trying to trick him, and he would ask the question, who's... Whose uh, image is on the on the coin? You know all these questions in here. Uh, again, I just love this. Is it right for you to be angry? Now, this is a probing question. It's not just a, a Q and A and okay, yes, I know the right answer. No, it's a probing question. And and let's let me say this, men. Most of the time, uh, how what gets us are probing questions, and then. Living word pictures, emotional word pictures. Gary Smalley, Dr. Gary Smalley was, was great at that, to try to paint a word picture, especially for boys and men. And if you're raising boys, one of the greatest things you can do is ask those probing questions and do your best to come up with a, a, an emotional word picture of how they felt. You remember uh, David when he had sinned and Nathan came to him and he, he gave the word picture about the lamb, the only one, and it was taken away from him, uh, and it moved David. He said, show me that man. I'll take care of this. And then Nathan would say, you are the man. And so I, I love what God is doing with, with uh, Jonah. He is probing into his life. I got a feeling God's probing into the life of some people who are listening today, and he's asking Amen. them, why are you angry? Are you angry at because of what you've done or what others have done to you? And he is saying, come unto me, all you that are weak and heavy laden, 
Amen. Come unto me, take my yoke upon me, on you, and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. What is that verse? I'm gracious and I'm loving. Come mm. to Jesus. Uh, Alex, that's, that's what we desire, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And, you know, sometimes a question uh, is not really asked to get an answer, but a question is set forth to make the recipient think. You know, I think about the Andy Griffith show sometimes. I love to watch that show, and very often uh, Andy uh, would wisely rein in Barney or make Opie think. You know, Opie would say this or that, and Andy, Andy would say, Really? You think that's what you ought to do now? You know, and a, go- a good teacher can do that with questions. God says, is it right for you to be angry? Now, we've often shared this quote on the program that, you know, we, blessed are the peacemakers. It's it's good to give or receive an olive branch, as they say. And Bert, even some devout Christians can let a little thing kind of fester in their soul, you know. Uh, is it I know that person did you wrong, but you've held this grudge all these years. Is, is that is that helping you? You know, um, I know that church is not everything it ought to be, but it, how you doing neglecting church? Sometimes a probing question can really be used by the Holy Spirit to put a change in our heart, whether it's to mend fences with somebody or do the right thing, even if it's a hard thing. But Jonah had gone out to sit down, and uh, he That's verse, it's a sunny verse day. Five. Yeah, verse 5. <laughs> he gets him some shade, and he waits to see what would happen to the city. Mm. I, you know, I think about the people crucifying Christ who wanted to see if God would rescue him or what's going to happen. And Jonah apparently is waiting for the fire to fall on Nineveh, and he wants a, a ringside seat when it does. Yeah, James and John, they were known as sons of thunder because they wanted Jesus to bring it down. Uh, well, hey, that's what it is. Hey, by the way, that phone number, 888-589-8840. Give us a call. We're ready in the next segment. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. In a world filled with hatred, it's refreshing to see people love one another. A man in our church needed surgery in Dallas. Someone drove him for the COVID test. Someone else drove him to the surgery and someone else took him home. There was no government mandate and no financial incentive, just a willingness to love people the way Jesus loves us. Jesus said the second great commandment is to love our neighbor. If we all did this, most of America's problems would disappear. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. 
The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. Sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus said this in Matthew 28, verse 20, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A little girl quizzed her mom on the way to church. Mommy, will Jesus really be at church with us today? Her mommy answered, Yes, we can't see him, but he'll be there hearing and seeing us. The little girl considered this, and then she said, Mommy, will you please comb my hair? Now rest assured, Jesus isn't concerned about your outward appearance, but he's always with you. He's concerned about whether your heart is clean and prepared for his presence. Ask God to show you any place where you're not right with him. Confess your sin and then serve and worship Jesus with a clean heart. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Isaiah 55, verse 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. American Family Radio. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Uh, let's have some first-time callers today. We love to hear from each and every one of you. I always, Bert, I enjoy it when people say they're a first-time caller. So if you have a, a Bible question, we welcome you to call in, and Bert and, and I will do our best. Even if it's not uh, relevant to the book of Jonah, just a Bible question, we'll do our best to give you a, a good answer. And that, so, Bert, yeah. where shall we begin? Well, let's go to Arkansas and go to Rebecca. Rebecca, welcome. Hey there. It's good to have How you, you today. today. Yeah, what part of Arkansas are you in, Rebecca? Um, I'm in the Benton area. Oh, okay. Yeah, we know where that is. But welcome. Yeah. You got a question for uh, us today? I, I do. So um, I'm actually a school teacher, and I love listening to you guys with my boys after school every day. Um, and um, anyways, but my husband and I were talking about in the Bible when Abraham was, um, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and then at the end of the story, you know, God provides the ram in Isaac's place, um, and it says that Abraham named that place um, the Lord will provide. And in a lot of translations, that's Jehovah Jireh. Um, my husband and I were talking about that, and he mentioned that that was actually an incorrect translation, that it's actually supposed to be Yahweh Yahir. And I was wondering um, if we were on the right track with that, or really if it even mattered if it was translated Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh Yahir. Thank you, Rebecca, for calling. Mm -hmm. Alex, it's a good question. 
Matter of fact, Yahweh, the way it is, those vowels that you see, they were not uh, written uh, in, like in the Hebrew language. Uh, God's name was so holy, uh, they wanted kind of where you couldn't enunciate it, didn't they? I mean, that's how they, holy they, they really presented did. God was. They, they really did. That's Genesis twenty-two fourteen. And you know what? Uh, there have been songs written about uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, um, I'm looking up Genesis 22:14 right now in the Hebrew that it says, Abraham, call that place, uh, it shall be provided of Yahweh. Uh, and it's really uh, Y-E-R-A-E-H, Yareh, Yareah, like uh, Yahweh, Yareah, the, the Lord our provider. Um you're right, the, the Tetragrammaton, which is the holy name of God, uh, Y-H-V-H, Yahweh, and the vowels were added in because a pious Jew, I was talking to a Jewish person the other day who is an, a very, very observant Jew, and they they will not they will not vocalize and say the name of, of God, but we say Jehovah Jireh, and Jehovah meaning the more, um, the less Hebraic, more Anglicized way of saying Yahweh, but um, it is the God who provides. Okay. Rebecca, thank you, and praise the Lord for you and your husband talking about this and looking at it. That is great. May your tribe increase. Let's go to Pennsylvania and talk to Richard. Richard, welcome. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I wasn't able to listen to your whole series so far, so hopefully I'm not duplicating anybody else's question. But apparently... Uh, from what I can tell, Jonah would have prophesied somewhere in the mid-700s B.C. And I often wondered, how long did Nineveh remain in repentance? And uh, maybe a second part of the question, um, they apparently didn't because Isaiah pronounced judgment on them. And would that have been the time that they would have stopped repenting and, and, and walked away from God? And is that why Isaiah pronounced judgment on them. Well, Richard, thank you for your good call. Matter of fact, this has set us up to promote what we're going to next. Uh, we're going to the book of Nahum next, which is uh, the one that would follow up the prophecy concerning Nineveh. Was it did the last 50 years, Alex, or more? Uh, 50 years thereabout. Yeah. Because um, Isaiah was around uh, 750 B.C., so if, if it was that long, it wasn't much longer. Yeah, that's uh, that's close. It it lasted a it was close to at least a generation or more. Uh, yeah. I remember studying this in the Old Testament, and we were talking about it, and we studied it that way. Tried to study like you look at the book of Luke Acts. Uh, mm -hmm. If you study Luke and then go to the book of Acts, you get it. You do that with uh, Jonah and Nahum concerning Nineveh, and it'll really add to it. And that's what we're going to do. Richard, thank you for your call. And next, we're going to go to. We're going to Texas and talk to Steve. Steve, welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Let me cut this bulldozer off. Hey, Amen. Uh, hey, we love truckers, farmers, bulldozer drivers. This is amazing. It is. We love it, man. You gotta. We praise the Lord for these heavy equipment workers. Listening to the Bible while you work. That's awesome, <laughs> brother. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. 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 Well, this is, I'm on the one that y'all prayed for here a while back, and I think the rapture's going to happen before y'all come run it. But anyway, <laughs> what I wanted y'all to 
let people aware of and pray for is I live in South Texas, and people do. Sorry, people don't know what's going on down here at the border, and you know we're at ninety degrees today, and in July, August, it's going to be a hundred and twenty, and every year. On a normal year, there's hundreds that die from heat exhaustion and heat-related, you know, deals. But, you know, I'm talking about just the people crossing the border. Yep. Well, times that times a thousand, it's going to be terrible for those kids, for anybody down here. So, and a lot of those kids are walking across and. Man, there ain't no way they're going to be able to make it, you know. It, mm. This is brush mm. country down here, and we're in a drought, and everything's got thorns on it, and there's rattlesnakes. It's just terrible. Steve, thank you for calling. I want to just tell you, I want to confess something. Alex, as I was reading about Jonah, his attitude toward Nineveh, God got a hold of my heart and say, Bert, uh, there's some people that you are really having an attitude problem toward, and if you had my heart, you'd be praying for them. Now, I'm not talking about making the borders open. I'm not saying that. But those right, that are right. there, in place of us going around and saying, man, those folks ought to be, especially those children, let's pray that there would be an intervention. Yes, there needs to be a stoppage. There needs to be something and, and saying, listen, we can't take all those in. But the ones who are here, Alex, I think we need to pray and ask God to intervene in those children, especially just like, man, I love Steve's heart. I'm, God, give me that heart for those children, Amen. especially, Alex. And, and you know, we've got to understand that, uh, as we said earlier in the show, I mean, there are forces at work that want the country to be unstable and things like open borders and irresponsible immigration policies. They do destabilize the country but these are human beings and we we need to care about them we can't we can't feel animosity or hatred to them they're trying to make a better life and it's unfortunate that bad politicians and bad policies are really jeopardizing and endangering their lives not to mention undermining the the rights of taxpaying citizens so the way this open borders almost situation and uh, people coming here knowing that there really won't be repercussions. It's it's just not just all the way around, is it? It is not. I'm going to be praying. Join me in prayer. Write, yes. write it down. The children at the border. And I heard about, I mean, they're overcrowded. The heat is exhausting. And, and they cannot care for them the way it is. They cannot process them fast enough to get them into the homes where they need to be. So, Father, I pray, I, I join with Steve. Thank you for him calling. He's right there on the front lines of seeing the heartache of, of a policy gone bad. And, Father, I, I just pray that you would help those that are here, that there would be something for those children. And, Father, uh, regardless of what all the politicians might think or everything, what are you saying about it? Father, you have a heart for those children. And I pray you would give us a heart to try to help those. And, and Lord, again, to balance that out, like Alex said, bad policy, 
But at the same time, a loving spirit, Father, only you, only you can take care of that situation. We lean upon you, and, and Father, we're like Jehoshaphat. We wait upon you, Lord, and when you tell us, we're going to move. I pray mm. this would happen in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Steve. Thank you so much. Well, th- I just I hope that you've written that down and you're praying. Yes. And we're next. We're going to go ahead, Alex. Yeah. I was going to say, let me give that number, folks. It's 888-589-8840. Okay, we're going to go to Alabama and talk to James. James, welcome. Welcome. I want to let you know I'm a first time caller. Hey, yay! Yeah, I don't really, I don't really have a question. I just wanted to tell y'all that I really appreciate what y'all do. I listen to you every day coming home from work. And uh, you just hear Thank inspiration. You, so much. you keep me going, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it every day. I don't. I don't miss it. I just appreciate. Thank it, you so much, brother. God bless you. And and where where are you located? Mobile, Alabama. Amen. Down on the water. Yeah, yeah. Great, great city. Great people there. James, thank you. You you've blessed us, and may God bless you, brother. Thank you again. Let's go to Tennessee, and we're going to talk to John. John, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello, Alex and Bert. Uh, do you both have time for a real meat and potatoes kind of question? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I wouldn't have brought this up, but uh, you see, I have been having a real uh, heated discussion with someone I'm really close to about the Holy Spirit baptism. And uh, I went through a time in my life when I was kind of into all that, like the empowerment of God and the Holy Spirit coming upon you, enabling you to do things, but uh, uh, that didn't exactly work for me, and what I found did kind of work was uh, practical wisdom, as I like to call it, like reading the Bible, really studying what it means, and then putting it into practice and listening to good teachers. But now the conversations have come up in my life again, and Frankly, the coronavirus has led me into a season of spiritual defeat as well. So um, this is kind of a personal question that I'm asking, but is Holy Spirit baptism real, and uh, how do you get it? Okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit takes place biblically. You're baptized at the point of salvation. Now, there's feelings of the Holy Spirit that takes place later. Now, this is a theological question. But it's a term. A lot of times these are terms, and they mean different things. But Alex, in all thy getting, get wisdom. You know, the book of Proverbs makes that plain. Now, is that wisdom practical? If any man like wisdom, according to the book of James, let him turn to the Word of God and ask God, and he will give it to you. I think he does give it to you in the Scriptures and through the purpose and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I think I don't think it's a either or. I think it is the wisdom from scriptures, and it is geared through the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It is, and you know, and uh, caller, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled that um, people are talking about this and thinking about this because if ever the church needed to be certain of the Holy Spirit's presence and indwelling and power and leading, I mean, we need the Holy Spirit. Uh, right now, to be very powerful in the church. Uh, you know, I, I believe, like you say, the infilling, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, it happens at the moment of conversion. Now, there are uh, repeated fillings and empowerings of the Holy Spirit, but uh, the New Testament talks about being baptized 
in the Holy Spirit. And the word uh, baptizo really means to be like immersed in something. Yeah. Do you know in, in ancient classical Greek, they would talk about a, a ship sinking, baptizo, or even there's a reference of dishes being washed and being put under the water. So to be immersed in something, Bert, as I understand it, it's not an emotion, though you may feel emotions. And it's it's not just a feeling, the warm fuzzies or goose goosebumps on the back of your neck, although you might feel that. But the Holy you are baptized in the Holy Spirit the minute you're converted and accept Jesus. Now letting the Spirit work or hindering the Spirit, being repeatedly filled with the Spirit, empowered, led by the Holy Spirit. But Ephesians 4.30 says the Holy Spirit of God is in us and seals us. And that is that baptism of the Holy Spirit, isn't it, Bert? It is. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who comes in every believer. You've come uh, and the indwelling. Then you have a relationship with the Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and then you can quench the Holy Spirit by saying no. You grieve the Holy Spirit by letting sin come and stay into your life. And when he convicts you in place of uh, confessing, you justify that, that attitude, that sin. And, and quenching the Spirit is saying, no, he's leading you in direction. You want to go your own way. That's what Jonah did. He was, he was grieving the Spirit of God. But what you want for service you want to walk in the Spirit for life, Alex. That's the whole idea. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, walking means He's with you. Uh, go to Proverbs where it talks about, you know, let the trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in yes. your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your paths. The Holy Spirit will direct your paths. And then for the jobs that you need to do, He'll give you unction or anointing. He, he gives you what you need at that point. You remember when he said, uh, I'll give you what you need at that time? He will. And so, yeah. man, thank you for that good call. Hey, Pam, Lisa, Brad, Johnny, sorry we couldn't get to your call tomorrow. We're going to do Fire Away Friday. So call back in. We're going to get to as many calls tomorrow as we can, Alex. You know, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen. for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And that happens. You're in the body. The Spirit's in you when you open your heart to Christ and are born again. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. Jesus.